has to go pee. He has to use the bathroom. That's why. Man. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, cool. So, ready. What's up, everybody? <laughs> Howdy, everyone. Howdy, Welcome everyone. Philip had to make this. We made it. It only took us forever, but we did it. Yeah, fucking okay. Come hell or high water, part two, I suppose. (laughs) Yeah, the third time is the third time is a charm. I think think this is the fourth time. (laughs) Yeah. Listen, life life hates us. That's that's all that matters. That's all that matters. Okay. Welcome to a deep breath, acting like I'm smoking a cigarette, even though I don't smoke. Get some oxygen into your lungs. Prepare thyself. I've been don't, ready. Don't I've, I've been like marinating this rant. Oh yeah. Okay. So hang on, hang on. Before you start, welcome back to Lorecast Eternals. Yeah, I'm welcome Bill. back to Lorecast Eternals. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm Mitchell. But I'm. Yeah. 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 So I'm. So I'm Phil. <laughs> <laughs> oh god i'm jacob <laughs> i'm mitchell god, mitchell's like he's waiting fucking difficult he's anyway. fucking waiting for this rant oh uh yeah mitchell has claimed the right to rant in this episode so um before we actually get started he's going to be doing that so this should be hilarious subject but, um, matter is chicken express Yes, so this should be interesting. I have no least. idea what this rant is. So like, Neither I'm do I. Play. I actually, so, I actually didn't ask him on principle because I wanted to like wait to hear it. So, I went to work on a Saturday because I have a lot to get done, and I was like, okay, um, I got a fair amount done, and I prepared. So, like after I get done recording tonight, I'm just probably gonna go hang out on my couch and continue to work. So, on my way home, at the corner, like right net, like catty corner of where I work, there, there's a Chicken Express. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to get a gallon of unsweet tea because I don't want to just drink alcohol a day and I wanted something else to drink other than water as well. Ah, uh, yes, the stage oh, man, is set. Alcohol, I'm going to get myself a drink. You're just going to miss half my rant? I think Bro, wireless headphones. Oh, damn. We have the technology. Yeah, oh, I'm wow. getting booze and listening to a rant. Like, get on my level, homie. Oh, it's the damn. best of both worlds. Yeah. Um, so I sit there and I just like, I'll pull up and I'm just like, I'm not expecting to pay much for this, um, this gallon of unsweet tea. I order it and they just hit me with the, yeah, that'll be like 640. I went, excuse me, a gallon of unsweet tea is now 640. When did this happen? I'm gonna keep it a buck. I haven't gotten chicken express sweet tea in so long. I have no idea what price point to compare that to. So, like, really, I was expecting maybe four bucks after <clears throat> COVID and all that. So I called my brother after this because I want somebody to rant to. My brother is typically always there to listen to as I rant. Um, this man does nothing but just defend Chicken Express going like, yeah, the times <laughs> when you grew up are just completely different. Have you learned a lesson? Are you going to buy unsweet tea from Chicken Express again? Um, you should just know that the price is going to be higher. And I was like. Bro, you're not helping me here at all. Not one bit. You're just you're just defending them and you're not letting me rant. You're not letting me like get out my anger. You're only doing is making me more angry. Mitchell so, needed a me, but instead he got a hater. <laughs> exactly. So I kinda like <laughs> marinating this anger as I'm drinking my unsweet tea. <laughs> <laughs> Did the unsweet tea still taste the same? <laughs> Actually, it was a Chicken Express unsweet tea is like the best unsweet tea that there ever is. So it was seasoned um, by your hate. Exactly. Um, and I'm sitting there just like, 
three or four hours passed by after that, and I had this idea while I'm using the restroom. It's like, wait a minute, I got access to the Wayback Machine. I'm gonna go see how much it was. Not three months ago, a gallon was three forty. Was a th a gallon was three forty nine. So in a period of three months, it went from being three dollars and forty nine cents to six bucks. They basically doubled their price. That's oof. That is what. Are you kidding me? Really? This is this is why I don't I don't drink sweet tea. This is unsweet tea, but still. Is, so, sorry, let me rephrase. This is why I don't drink tea. Is that like a tea shortage or something? I don't think there is. But how dare chicken? No, it's called it's, it's called inflation. No, 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 no. What it is, what it is, and this is something that you haven't considered, Mitchell. It's really important. What it is is that you specifically can go fuck yourself. You're right. That's what it is. But like, I went they to the wayback machine like to spite you. It, in 2020, it was still 3.49. In 2021, it was still 3.49. On websites today that are not fully updated with the price changes, still say 3.49. This change happened in August. <laughs> Get fucked. Oh fuck. Get wrecked, <laughs> like, are you kidding me? You Get expect people to pay six bucks for your gallon of tea now? I'm gonna go to go to H E B. I would like to at this point remind you that people pay like twenty bucks for a cup of coffee. Those every time I tell my mother everyone knows that coffee dude, prices are a scam, no, dude, though. Every time yeah. I tell my mother about the price of Starbucks coffee, all she does is shake her head and goes, I remember when Starbucks first opened when it was still only in Seattle and she went there to go visit her um, in-laws and she was like, Starbucks, three bucks for a cup of coffee. That is the dumbest shit I have ever heard. And just think about that. Starbucks was charging three bucks for a cup of coffee back when they first opened. And my mother, who is like one of the most practical women alive, was like, that's stupid as shit. I'm going to pay my buck. A I'm going to pay my like one dollar for my like, you know, McDonald's cup of coffee. McDonald's coffee is worse than then. Starbucks coffee. So is McDonald's coffee still hot as the sun? Not anymore. They got sued over it. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know they did. I just didn't know if like, anything actually came from it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, the guy won. The guy won the lawsuit, if I remember correctly. Either that or they it? settled. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my rant. You know, that wasn't as violent as I expected it to be, but I guess I'm normally used to I mean, to I can always ranting. talk about Spectrum. Oh, please. I mean, why not? Just tack on. Make it worse. Yeah, no, so yeah. that's part of the reason that we had to move recording back to this weekend was because I lost internet. Because I was told uh, almost two weeks ago at this point that I would be losing internet. And then I never lost internet. So I kept using the internet. And then finally, literally, we were going to record Thursday. On Thursday afternoon at like three in the afternoon, they cut my internet. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? That feels pretty personal. Yeah, no, I felt offended. <laughs> um, and now I'm paying $10 more for half the speed. Because we yeah, love that, that, That's what got me is like, fuck, because you're paying 50 for a gig. Now you're paying 60 for 500 meg. Yep. As a rough. Yeah. I yeah, no. The, it's... the lady you talked to was like, I'm going to be frank. This is going to suck ass for you. Yeah, no, it was great. But we don't talk about that because, you know, like she technically shouldn't have said all those things <laughs> and that that that's fair 
She was doing you a favor. <laughs> she was doing me a solid homie song. She, dude, she even hooked me up with like a, a back to school deal. And she was just and I was like, oh, cool. Like, does this go out to everyone? And she was like, it's going out to you. And I was like, cool. That's all I'm going to ask about. <laughs> Message received. And so, yeah, no, because uh, it was either initially it was like, oh, yeah, 60 bucks for 300 megabytes. And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And she was like, but with our back to school deal, you can get the same price for 500 megabytes. And I was like, I'm going to be frank with you because you've been frank with me. Both of those options are asks. I used to play pay 50 for a gig. And I was and she was like, yeah, nope, I get it. Like, this sucks. But also, like, it's what you I got. don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. So unless you want to pay 90 bucks for a gig, like. You might want to just take the 500 and i was like yeah, you're right i'm gonna take the 500 i'm not happy about it though and she was like understandable um because like spectrum's like the only internet available in your town now right basically well, in my area there's three service providers in um the city i live in but but when you live in a uh, complex you really don't have a choice yeah, yeah you kind of get one and that's it because usually the the provider comes out to the apartment complex and they hook up to, for the complex you can't Rare is the location where you can hook up by apartment. Um, yeah, that was well, the one nice thing about where we lived in Brian, Mitchell, and I, when we lived there, is we actually could get internet by the apartment. Yep. That's pretty nice. I don't pay for my internet. It's free. Tech. Yeah, they actually included it, but they were like, yeah, this is only like 300 megs, but it's free. But if you want to get a better package, you can. And then we just yeah. like used the 300 because that was all we needed. I get 400 for free. That's not bad. That's not bad at all. Yeah. Um. I mean, because realistically, like, you need to be doing some pretty hardcore internet stuff to like need more than like four, three, four, five hundred megs. Like, like if you, like, for you to actually yeah. need the full gig, if that's what you're paying for, like, you have to be doing like a lot of fucking. You also have like, shit. a special router that can actually be able to handle a gig processing. Now, that. the one yeah. nice thing I will say about Spectrum is they gave me a Wi-Fi six router. Damn. Yeah, that just nice. came as part of the package. That's nice. pretty fucking nice. Like because because I didn't have a choice in the matter, because I uh, they were cutting my old internet connection and uh, forcing me to take this new one, basically. Um, they hooked me up with... Uh, so technically, it should have been like a $50 installation and activation fee, but the woman was like, yeah, no, we're going to hook you up with a good install program, so it's only going to be 20 bucks, which is like the standard activation fee. Uh, and we're going to provide all of your your hardware free of charge. And I was that's like, nice. Yeah, dude. So I got a new modem and new router, and the router and is Wi-Fi six enabled. And I have a Wi-Fi six uh, Wi-Fi card, so like I'm utilizing all three hundred of those or all five hundred of those five hundred megabyte bits. I can't. Speak. And th and they got out there pretty fast too, because they're out there like the uh, next day, right? Or the, I mean, sure, yeah, as long as you don't count the fact that they were an hour and a half late because some dude clocked out early and didn't want to finish his job. Nice. Well, other than that, is this the rant part being over? I think we're already like we're already yeah. 11 minutes into this. 12 minutes now. Are we? Yeah, have I went by fast. <laughs> have we even like talked about what we're going to be covering today nope. or like shout out the Patreon? Nope. No, um, well, we should do that. Shout out Probably. to our beautiful Patreon members. Um, you guys are awesome. Thank you. We love you. We make, we make our hearts sing. And we, even though we disappoint you constantly, you still love us. We're, um, we're, we're, we're like that distant dad you keep giving chances to. We keep fucking it up. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's one new member. His name is Jay. 
Thank you, Jay. Thank you, Jay. You to homie. Um. Yeah. Other than I that, we're, we're we're covering Sky Pirates, Sky Dwarves, um, Sky Dwarves, Flying Midgets. Pirates. I don't know. Caradron Overlords. Caradron. Caradron. Like I said, I'm reveling in my in my incorrectness. Caradron Overlords. Yeah. Oh, and, and, and just so it is known, this is going to be a two-part episode because there is a lot of information on There Caradon. is so much damn information. There is so much fucking information. So, um, and because uh, we've been, we were so late on this episode because life happened, this is how the next, th- the next two episodes are going to go. So we're going to do Encaradon part one this Saturday. Next Saturday, we're going to do a bonus episode. And the Saturday after that, we're going to do card on part two. That's how this party is going to go. <clears throat> Just so everyone knows what's going on. Yeah. And also, something I think we forgot to talk about is um, we've already said this in the Discord. But I'm going to go ahead and say it to anyone who hasn't read it yet. Uh, game night has moved. It's going to be moved to Tuesday. The Tuesday yep. after. The, the, uh, so, yeah. So that means the upcoming Tuesday is going to be the first game night in which game night has been moved. It's like that's going to be the, the first new game night. Um, it's from this point forward. It's going to start at six and end at 10. Central Standard um, Time. Central Standard Time. So that's uh, usually I know be, being during the week is a little weird, but that is going to allow the three of us to be together on game night a lot more often, which would which was kind of a problem in the past. And also, we are going to be um, announcing what game is going to be played ahead of time, just so everyone has time to get the game. It's not so kind of inconsistent, I guess, and also yeah. up, the, up the chance. And we are going to be putting a focus on more multiplayer-friendly and cheaper games, so it's easier for everyone to like get it. So after we're done recording this episode, we are going to put in the gaming channel what game is going to be played i think that's it cool beans all right i think it's time to start talking about uh guide dwarves okay all um, right to start it off so much information seriously you just want to give us a um explain it to me like i'm five paragraph of what what this is okay i'll do my best dad <laughs> um so, uh, Caradon Overlords, they are flying dwarfs, like we, like we talked about. Um, we're going to be primarily going over their lore from the um, Age of Myth to the Age of Sigmar. And we are going to be breaking down their culture and organization and society and the Caradon code and stuff more in the second episode. We'll probably talk about it a little bit in this one. But this is oh, mainly going to be like what they were and how they became what they currently are. I appreciate your enthusiasm, but I was asking, explain it to me like I'm five paragraph of what the Caradon are. No. Okay. I do what I want. So I appreciate you lining it out for us, though. What, That's nice. what, what the Caradon overlords are. So they are, um, they're, they're dwarves. So they're, 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 they are of the dwarvish race. Um, Durden, they, really. Durden. Fuck off. Is it Dwarden? Dwarden or whatever. The Dwarden. Shit. Dowie. What is it? It's dwarves. It's Dwarden. It's D U A R D I N. Dwarden. Dwarden. It's fucking part, dwarves. Nobody dwarves. gives a shit about Thank their you. fucking copyright compliant bullshit. Thank you. They're dwarves. Um, and they are. I mean, I guess with how they 
fly and shit. They don't really only stay in Shimon, the realm of metal, but like that was where they were from originally. Yeah, they're from the, the realm of Shimon, but they 100% own the skies of literally every realm. The only P, the only thing that can really challenge their aerial supremacy is Zinch, but they've kind of kicked the shit out of Zinch every single time he's tried, so... Yeah, yeah so... We'll, yeah. we'll talk about that when we get there. So, what what the Caradon Overlords were is, um, they were just the normal-ass dwarves of the Age of Myth. The Carricks, or not the Carrick, what were they called in fucking Age of Sigmar? Dowie? No, like, like in the world it was, it was the Carricks, like Car, you know, Kazra Carrick. Yeah, it was the the Kazakhan. Yeah, I think I think they're called Kazukhan. Kazukhan, Ka- yeah. Ka- Kazukhan, yeah. Thank you. That's what they're called in Age of Sigmar. Um, <laughs> but the, that was the Age of Myth, actually. <laughs> um, th- that's what they were, and they uh, they were forced to become the Caradon Overlords during the Age of Chaos because. You know, and, and once again, we'll we'll go deeper into this. This is just the outlining for Mitchell because he's Wait. dumb. Um, oh, I mean, oh, if you're okay. starting, yeah, yeah, if you're yeah, starting yeah. with the Age of Myth, just explain everything in the Age of Myth. Okay, I can do that. So, <laughs> you know, we, we we've gone over Age of Myth a lot with a bunch of multiple races, and that was basically all the gods, Sigmar finding all of the gods and putting the gang together, and the pantheon of order and establishing civilization and life throughout all of the fucking mortal realms and whatnot and everyone was happy and nothing bad would ever happen because chaos didn't exist they're totally not gonna come and murder everything that's not a thing that's never happened before so no. grungy zinch will to, remember that zinch, right? <laughs> so grungy went to um shimon and started doing grungy things essentially um you know crafting the realm to fit his people and making all of these masterwork pieces to support the dwarf dwarven race and doing a bunch of like good dad things yeah um also would like to emphasize like this is like grungy is actually with his people he's not like sigmar kind of up in the sky he's actually sitting there building these structures with his race yes he is he is very hands-on at this time they get done with the shift and they go down to the bar for a couple of beers to hang out like and and friends it actually causes some issues later on because of that but we'll we'll get into it but yes grungy is very hands-on crafting this land for his people to uh prosper um you know there's the 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 dwarves move in and they start building shit and there's all this you know scientific and advancement and great works of engineering and all kinds of crazy shit going on and they floor they start you know they start really taking off and they're right up there with you know the human and human elves and whatnot and they're having a great fucking time yeah. <coughs> um, the, the big thing to remember about the founding of the dwarven empire is that they start as the uh the first clans of the uh kazu khan and then that, that eventually ends up becoming the Kazalid Empire under the guidance of Grunky. Yes, the, the yeah. first, yeah, the first clans of the Kazukan become the Kazalid Empire. Um, another important thing that happened is um, while, or at least how legend goes, is um, while Grungi was doing all of this, making these great works and laboring to create these things for his people, is his, um, I think it was his breath, basically uh, mixed in with. Um, the sparks the, of um hitting the metal yeah like uh his his breath mixed in with like metal dust and the elements of shimon and whatnot and and that's what created aether gold which is extremely important to the caradon overlords yeah if there's um, like three things that kind of um 
mischaracterized the Caradron Overlords. Um, it is Skyport, Aether Gold, and Caradron Code. Those are like the, their big, big three things. And, but a, Aether, and a subclause of those big three is overwhelming firepower. <laughs> yes. Um, so um, when it comes to this Aether Gold, there is like one set of people that actually kind of realize it's potential their potential and you kind of have these real quick before we go into that Mm. i would just like to point out that the description for aether gold and its solid form um because so real quick aether gold is in its natural state is a substance that's uh less dense than air so it actually floats way up above the cloud line it's also caustic as shit if i remember correctly yes a lot of it causes a lot of chemical burns once yeah which is why um there's have, all these suits. Well, yeah. it's actually funny because um, Carolyn Overlord suits are actually like airtight and they have like rebreathers and shit. And I'm like, this start to sound like space Marines. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they kind of are, honestly. But have no, you seen that one picture of the Carolyn about... Overlord about to go suit up and it looks like a space Marine? About oh, 100%. To go suit up. Oh, it's oh, great. Yeah. I, I love it. I'm like, oh, man, it, it's, they're it dwarven space Marines. But no, well, so... I, I guess they're more akin to um, the Leagues of Otan, I guess, because they're all. Yeah. 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 That makes more sense. But no, so the uh, the thing that like makes me laugh though is that uh, so they can transform that into either liquid fuel or solid bars of gold, and it looks like gold. But their description is that it's stronger, brighter, and more malleable. That makes no sense. You you, you it know makes what? No fucking. Sense. You know what? Well, it's all, well, it's ma- it's made by God breath and shit so i don't think it needs to make sense but you know what it reminds me of and i don't really know why it reminds me of this serious or jacob sorry it's stronger and yet more malleable than gold oh yeah it's it's retarded it makes no fucking sense like i i I can imagine like i understand it's stupid as shit but also like comparing string to silk maybe that makes sense I don't fucking know. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt what you're. No, no, say. no. You're, you're, you're good. Well, what I was saying was, I don't know. I guess it's because of like how light it is. What it really reminds me of is that material. I think NASA uses it a lot in space and shuttlecraft. Is it's that it's it's basically like solidified air. Oh, aerogel. Aerogel. It's extremely um insulated from temperature and whatnot. So like you you could basically be holding it to an open flame, and if you have your hand on the other side, you won't feel it like ever, basically. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. and it's it's light as shit. I don't know why, but it's always kind of reminded me of that. I probably isn't correct at all, but that's always what I've kind of vision envisioned it in my head. <clears throat> yeah. Well, with this Aether Gold, there was a kind of s- subgroup of dwarves that kind of found like its use. Um they were called really the Steamhead Pioneers. Um and they became really rich off of aether gold um, well yeah kinda, they started kinda, doing a bunch of dumb shit with it that kind of leads kind of like gives a um backdrop or like a a fallback of what happens in the age of chaos but this also allows for the development and advancement of aether craft where aether gold is able to be used as a fuel to propel these craft that can go for a longer periods of time than your typical gyrocopter yeah, yeah. And, and one before... thing to remember is that before this time, the dwarves, the dwarves were the only faction that had mechanical, or from the world that was, they were the only faction that had mechanical flying machines. Yeah. And um, um, before before we get super into that, though, um, 
one thing we need to talk about is um after Grungy had finished making like all of these wonders for the dwarven people um and, and what it was called was the god rod isles and yeah. that's and they were like absolute fucking the reason mar- that, marvels of engineering yeah the and they were called, called god, god rod because Grungy made isles. them essentially yeah and these these are literal islands that Grungy crafted and so after Grungy had made all of this stuff for his people, that's when he fucks off. That's because he that's when he's like, cool, I've made this land for my people and they need to, if I remember correctly, he's damn near specifically said they need to learn to prosper without me, without without my guiding hand, yeah. because they need to I'm be their own sure people about that. I know he left to go fulfill a promise. Go help Sig- yeah, he, he, he yeah. went to, he went to go. He went to go fulfill a promise to Sigmar, but I'm, I'm he, he also left because he's like. Yeah, it was a twofold decision. One, well, he, he owed Sigmar he, a favor. He Two, he believed, wanted his people. Yeah, he truly believed that they could not. They they could only truly thrive if he wasn't there to guide his hand, their, their hand. Mm-hmm. He truly believed them to come become their own people and have a successful civilization that would last for thousands and thousands of years. Is if there wasn't a god babysitting them. And so he yeah. fucked off to go do Sigmar stuff, which culminated into the Stormcast Eternals, basically, if I remember correctly. <clears throat> And, and and that's his departure that's that's when he left and basically never came back um and that did lead to some uh uh grudging for his people later later on yeah um but so yeah then we so- come to the the first great catastrophe of Ramon, which yeah, is the, the descent the- of the load griffin yeah, God Beast doing shenanigans. Um, yeah. so basically so, they, they they find Aether Gold and they start mining it and using it very aggressively. And it um starts causing, you know, I don't know if like pollution is the right word, but it starts throwing all this like stuff in the air and shit. And it, it attracts a god beast called called the load griffin. Yeah, not not quite. Um so what what it what it is is that uh the few people who know how to mine Aether Gold out of the air. Uh, they get so obscenely wealthy off of it that there was a massive discrepancy in wealth inside of the Godra Isles. And so people were praying for change. They thought that the rich were getting too rich and that the poor didn't have enough. And so they started praying for change. And guess who answered? Did you say change? Yeah, exactly. There's only so, one God that we know. Yeah, exactly. No, Zinch, so, do, Zinch doing Zinch things. Yeah, so, so really, Zinch is like, oh, well, I can make that happen for you. And so he sent his demons, and he starts forming underground cults. And then at the culmination of his plan, um, he lures in a god beast known as the Load Griffin. Yeah, pretty much this big old griffin kind of lands in the middle of the Godrod Isles. Um, and it has such a magnetic force with it, which is really weird that a god beast would have a magnetic force. Um, oh, it, it's a god beast. They're, 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 they're yeah. whack. It actually starts messing with the isles to the point where like it's creating, I don't know, earthquakes. Well, it basically changed the magnetic laws like of the realm and it yeah started basically tearing the land apart yeah so a lot of um where prosperous civilizations within the guy in in these isles are just completely obliterated um and there's a lot a lot of people are dying so you have kind of 
a few group of dwarves that are trying to get rid of it. And in the process of getting rid of it, what was it? Was it them or a Zinchen cult person that actually like was in the process of turning it into gold? So what it was is the nine, <laughs> the nine. Mightiest. Uh, Aether Mancers. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm putting an emphasis on nine, nine because we all know what Zinch's favorite number is. Yep. Um. So the nine greatest Aether Mancers of the um, Empire all came together. And they were like, oh, yeah, we're going to turn this thing into solid metal. We're just going to turn it into solid gold. So if it's solid gold, it can't fuck with the magnetics because its magnetics were so strong that it was literally altering the 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 God Isles, the, the Godra Isles themselves. Uh, but one of them in secret was actually a gaunt summoner known as the Watcher King. And he killed all the other Aethermancers, took control of the spell, and then... They did succeed in turning the, the load griffin to solid gold, but the magic energies that were released because of that ended up uh, opening up a rift directly into the realm of uh, the realm of Zinch. Not and even it, just the magic energies. It was literally the death screams of this like beast that ripped that hole, too. Yeah. yeah. And, and, it, and if you all need to know what a gaunt summoner is, basically, they're just really powerful summoners that work for Zinch. Yeah. Um, um so yeah, the little griffin with, dies and problems start yeah um now if you're wondering what the got rod isles were and where it's located you can go look at a map of shimon and it is literally just the spile crux that's what happened to the this land because it used to be like a pretty uniform piece of land um now it's just shattered and it's not great <laughs> yeah it's like if somebody threw a lot of pebbles into like the same spot in water, just slightly alternating in a pattern. It's kind of what it looks like. Well, the waves. That's what the waves look like. Um. Sorry, I'm just I'm just looking at the picture of the spiral clucks, and I saved the picture in my notes, and like, fuck, dude, it's 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 rough. Um. But yeah, so that that happened like right before the Age of Chaos started, because I know Zinch doing all that fuckery kind of leads directly into the Age of Chaos, yeah. if I remember yeah. correctly. So whereas basically everywhere else was the uh, the blood um, or the, the gore tide. There we go. The gore tide in uh, Shimon specifically, uh, instead of Zinch or instead of corn being the predominant source of chaos, it was Zinch. And so this is where we see Zinch actually taking part in the Age of Chaos and where he made his big push to try and is take Is the over. first time we're actually seeing something different than corn? Yes, like, I believe like, so. Yeah, yeah the, uh, the, uh, the the dwarves were, the at least not the not the Fire Slayer dwarves, but like the, the Shimon dwarves were almost exclusively fucked over by Zinch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with this whole entire thing, what happened with the big old griffin that kind of got turned into gold, that kind of started this entire idea of the sky exodus because of this Zinch invasion that was coming into the land. Um, so dwarves were pretty much just kind of left with a couple of choices. Um, go to the fire slayers and ask for help. Um, they promptly said no. Um, go to Azir. Gates closed. If you can't run from them because you got short legs, 
what's your third option? Fly, apparently. Yes. <laughs> um, so that's where you go back to the Steamhead pioneers is that they were they advanced the Aethercraft to a point where the fuel was efficient enough to actually fly for quite some time because like gyrocrop gyrocopters from the past they would they like in battles they could like stay up for the battle maybe like a couple of hours but now these um aethercraft can actually stay up for days at time and you're able to go to other colonies and when it comes to this um, what's going on in this age of chaos, they kind of quickly realize that the only way to survive is to actually stick together. So they would go to other... I'm just going to use the term Skyport, even though at this moment it's not a Skyport. It's like other civilization and villages of where dwarves are located that are just also in their Aethercraft, yeah. and they would get together, and that, like, ape and what was it, like, ape together equal strong, um, yeah, basically. <laughs> you have, yeah. If you have multiple ships, it's easier to fight off as each demons in the sky instead of you just have one ship. Why have one ship when you can have ninety? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, so, yeah. One, one important thing to note uh, about the other big reason why they took to the sky instead of trying to hold themselves up inside of their carracks or, or their mountain fortresses is that at the time, because of this rift that had been opened up to Zinch, uh, the entire realm of Kamon was being so flooded with uh, Zinch's power that it was mutating the land and creatures in it to the point where it was becoming almost inhospitable to anything living that wasn't a demon. Yeah, I'm pretty sure and the term that was used with that Shimon became like an anathema to life, or to mortal life. Yeah. And so uh, as some of them did try to just hide inside of their fortresses and they were like, fuck you, we've got reserves for days. Like, there's no way we can die, yada, yada, yada. And yeah. so the demons were like, all right, cool, stay there. And they would drop mountains on top of these fortresses. Like, they'd block all the entrances and then people would suffocate inside of their mountain fortresses. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I want to pretty much state, like, their exodus to the sky, this, it was their last resort. Um, many, many of their people died in the process. There was, there was this tale yeah. of one, like, literal just, I don't know, I'm just going to use the word kingdom, left Carrick. to go to the sky. Uh, Carrick, yeah. Um, we're left, we're leaving oh. to go to the sky, but only three survived. Yeah, three people out of the entire Carrick. One important thing to note is that whenever we say that, like, oh, yeah, these people, they went to the skies and these carracks, like, left for the sky, literally what they did is they strapped Aethermantic uh, uh, machines into their carracks, and they literally just floated the mountain away. <laughs> they yeah. were like, fuck this, we're out, and they just took the mountain with them. By the way, do you know what um, Caradron actually means? Uh, sky mountains, doesn't it? sundered mountains sundered mountains yeah so they're the sundered mountain overlords they're the lords over everything beneath them because those are plebeians who walk bros and yeah. another thing that's not a soup that, that i think is really important to talk about with the whole exodus of the dwarves and whatnot is um that they 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 essentially broke tradition to do this and that's very important because oh, yeah. um, like, like yeah. you know, the stubbornness of dwarves, right? 
and in doing this, it, it broke them from tradition. And that was yeah, a really the big tradition. Thing. The tradition at the time was like, oh, if you're being attacked, you know, go hide in your mountain. Like, what the fuck are they going to do? Right, exactly. And that wasn't working. But normally dwarves are so stubborn. They're like, it was not working. Who gives a shit? We're just going to keep just trying. Just do it harder and it'll work. Yeah. And that was not working. No, not one bit. Um, so that's kind of like with everybody going to the skies, that's kind of where you get your new groups. And what, what do we call them? Um, Give me a second. I'm, I'm readjusting my mic. Uh, yeah, I believe that's the right term is, uh, barracks. Yeah. So you got like really what are just new sky kingdoms. Yeah. Which we're just going to call barracks. We're probably going to get roasted on that. That's probably wrong. Oh, well, sure. No, no they're, they're called bar- the sky ports themselves are called barracks. Yeah. So it's like there's probably some weird. There's probably some uh, weird Zilfin. dwarven pronunciation pronunciation that makes it sound different. <laughs> pronunciage. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Pronunciages. Yes. So yeah. it probably sounds different than barracks, but like fuck it, that's just what we're calling them. Yeah. Um. But you know, with any barrack or carrick that is the dwarves, rivalries start to happen. I mean, shocking, right? Well, yeah. a, a, big, a big problem was that they were like, oh, man, all of these things require Aether Gold to stay floating. So, like, fuck the other dwarves. We got to keep our homes afloat. And that it almost started a civil war. I think it was called the Time of Reaving. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, ba- it, it was about as close as you can come to a civil war without actually being a civil war. So they all pretty, they all got together to kind of prevent this. And it was the conference of Madrop Madralta Madralta. Okay. Madralta. I, I have a short rant to make. Go Madralta. Are you fucking kidding me? As in Malta. Oh my God. That's an Island off like off the coast of like Italy, right? Yes. Uh, it's in the Mediterranean somewhere. Is there something I, 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 I actually know nothing about this, so like this is all new to me. Hit, hit us with your rant. Just it's the fact that uh the conference of Madralta took place on the uh, the floating isle of Madralta. And Malta is like one of the big trading cities for um like the Renaissance era. And it was just like, are you kidding me? They're not really? very creative. They're not very no. creative. It's okay. like that's how obvious. it always is though they they always take shit from actual like real life except and they just like, like age of sigmarify it except that like we have all these barracks barracks nar barracks zilfin barracks zon barrack urbaz uh like as far as i'm aware those are all either like references to older lore like the world that was lore or it's original so like really really madralta really yeah <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, well, they had this conference and within this conference, they all kind of came to an agree- agreement um, that, hey, let's live by this code. And that's yeah. where you get the Caradrin code. The yeah, Constitution. At point, <laughs> yeah, at this point, all of the dwarves had gotten together and they were like, hey, look, we were almost wiped out in this. Um, and our traditions did fuck all for us. Like we tried working by tradition and our and gods at, and the people, the people who follow tradition so stubbornly, like how we used to in the past, they're all fucking dead now. So like we need to be pragmatic. We need to be adaptive. We can no longer rely on the bloodlines of our people to know what's best for them. 
So we have to change literally everything about ourselves. Well, you're, so you're, you're, you're missing drawn... a big chunk of it because it's not just bloodlines. There's a very big emphasis as well as like we cannot we cannot um, worship gods anymore. Like the gods, our gods did nothing for us. So our traditions yeah. and our worship is fucking pointless. Yeah. 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 And so um, hence this... was the Caradron code born. Yeah, this code kind of shifted this entire idea of like clan leaders, religious, religion, all that crap. Um, to the society that is based off a of meritocracy, so everything is done by the merits of their of the per, of the person instead of like what their rank is, what their bloodline is, like you how have much to money prove they make. That you can do this, not just be yeah. assumed that you can do this. Yeah. yeah, and that's that's really big in their society. Also, now, having, thing that having really... said that, having said that, part of this whole meritocracy system, um, they're still dwarves. Part of your merit is whether or not you can turn a profit. Yeah. It's actually funny because part of the code specifically states that, like, A, people who make the booze, if you fuck up making the booze, we will kill you. <laughs> <laughs> the only time that you can make shitty okay. booze is if you're stuck in a realm that's not owned by dwarves because humans and elves drink swill and you don't have much of a choice. Do you know they actually make their gold or their, uh, their beer with aether gold? I'm not surprised yeah honestly. so they use aether gold as part of their um machinery to make the gold or to make the beer and so the beer will pick up trace amounts of it so like true dwarven beer is known to have almost magical properties because it's do got aether gold infused into it do you know what that reminds me of like like, like almost word for word but skaven lacing their liquor with warpstone <laughs> you're not fucking wrong. i'm just fucking saying they do the same shit so their booze is all fucked up and magical as well so i'm just saying like yeah, the rats did it first technically yep um another thing that was important about the conference of madralta besides being like hey this is what we are now this is how our society is gonna work this is how we don't start killing each other is they were also like hey Zinch is still trying to aggressively murder us, so, like, we need to stop doing his job for him. Yeah. Because he's still a massive fucking problem, because I'm pretty sure there was a battle that happened, like, right after the, the, the conference of Madralta called, like, the Battle of the First Coalition or something like that. Yeah, it was. Which was, like, like yeah, which was a big fight against Zinch. And it's actually funny, because the Caradons... Honest to God, I think the Caradons might be the only faction of mortals that not only didn't get absolutely fucking murdered in the Age of Chaos, but they won. Like, so, the, the Caradon yeah. Overlords kind of that's, resoundedly beat, Zinch to, beat Zinch's ass. That's actually a very interesting point, because I wanted to make that point as well, is that there's really only two civilizations that thrived in the Age of Chaos, and actually, like kind of really pushed them to who they are now. Um, that is Caradon Overlords and Orc War Clans. Okay, I feel like the yeah. Orcs don't count because fighting is how they, like, grow and, but, like, live. But so. they fought so much, they literally changed because of it. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like, it wasn't just... It was probably just orcs beforehand, but now you got like brutes, which are way different. Well, not really way different. They're just the closest thing to a new black orc. They're just beefier orcs and they're beefy because they fought in the Age of Chaos a lot. Yeah. And didn't die. Yeah. There, but, there's actually there's actually a really funny picture 
um, uh, of the Caradon overlords. If I remember correctly, it's basically like I think I think you're seeing w what are the Zangors on the discs of Zinch called, uh, Mitchell? Zangor Enlightens. Yeah, a Zangor Enlightened. I think it's a Zangor Enlightened on his disc. And in front of him, there's just like hundreds of thousands of Caradon Overlord ships. They're just like, we're about to send you to meet your god. <laughs> yep. Um, going just, back to I, daddy. I just I love that picture. It's just really important to understand that like the Age of Chaos is what made this race. It's not like it didn't really exist. Well, yeah, it, 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 it was born out of necessity. Yeah. And it worked really well, which didn't happen a lot. Like the Age of Chaos is notorious for everyone getting their shit pushed in, except for orcs, Caradons, and Azir. And the only reason why Azir didn't get their shit pushed on pushed in is because they were like, "Yeah, close all the doors. No one gets in." And they purged anything related to a scent of chaos. Yeah, like and they basically had to go full Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, and the Deepkin, because the Deepkin basically were just like, "Cool, we want nothing to do with this. We're fucking off now." I don't think anyone really realized that Deepkin existed at that point, except for, you know, Teclas. <laughs> yeah. Not wrong. Um, yeah, but, so with this whole entire thing of um, after their conference, um, it pretty much started the Great Sky War. And within this process of the Great Sky War, there was a massive turnover of technology. Um, they went from black powder rifles to... Athermatically powered arsenal. Aether gun gold. Aether Aether gold guns. That's yes. what it's basically. Yeah. They went from using black powder to magic gold missiles and shit. Yeah. So, um, I forget what the analogy was. Um, I believe in you. Come on, you can do it. Come on, I think I believe in you. what they stated their difference was was that imagine like feudal Japan, like the end of feudal Japan fighting with like muskets to um, I don't know. The, I'm not going to say the atomic bomb, but it's just like liberators. B-17, oh, B-24s. It's like the Boxer Rebellion and uh, Dan Daly. You all know that story? I have no. no fucking idea what you're talking about. Okay. So Dan Daly is the only U.S. Marine to earn, or no, sorry. He's one of only two U.S. Marines to ever earn two medals of honor. And they actually made a law after uh, it was proposed for his third medal of honor that changed the law to say you could only have one because he got, he got nominated for three medals of honor. And they were like, bro, that's unacceptable. But like this dude was a fucking OG, I swear. No, how he got you, his first how medal do you of flex honor. after getting a medal of honor by saying you have two. <laughs> um, but so basically, uh, Dan Daly, his story starts um, at the Boxer Rebellion, which was in China. And basically, so the reason it's called the Boxer Rebellion is because uh, at the turn of the 1900s, so going from the 1800s into the 1900s, uh, China was opened up to Western influences. And there was a group of people who uh, basically decided, nope, this is too much, too fast. China needs to stay Chinese. And it was a group of young men who started a group. I can't remember their organization, but they were all martial artists. 
And basically what they did is they went around and they found every missionary, every businessman, every ambassador, every Westerner that they could find, and they just beat them to death. And so... Well, fuck, all right then. There was a, a U.S. ship off the coast with Marines on board, and they were like, okay, cool, we're going to go deploy the Marines, we're going to round up as many Americans as we can find, and we're going to hold them inside of a, a building, and we'll escort them off of the mainland and bring them back to America whenever we get reinforcements. So the Marines deploy, um, and then their reinforcements get delayed. So all of the Marines decide to leave the building to go find the reinforcements and they leave one guy behind with like one machine gun, his rifle and a pistol. And like, that's it. And sure as shit, Why do I when there's only one badly? Marine there, 200 um, of the Chinese martial artist guys show up and they're like, cool, we're going to kill you now. And Dan Daly, who was the Marine who got left behind was like, uh, fuck you and proceeded to kill all of them. <laughs> what yep that's a pretty uh, because, good analogy <laughs> yeah because uh the part of the thing about these martial artists and i forget it's this one very specific organization um they truly believe that their martial art skills made them impervious to bullets so they would charge headlong at him and he's just sitting there with a machine gun and it's just like all right well y'all are gonna fucking die today and just mowed them down Oh, so basically they were like, we're good. And he was like, fuck you. I cast machine gun. And he was, in fact, the correct person in that argument. Yep, exactly. So he fought them off with uh, his machine gun and his bolt action service rifle. Uh, and that, I believe, was his first medal of honor. And then he went on. He went on to go fight in World War uh, One. He went on to fight in World War One and proceeded to kick ass twice more in which he should have earned two more medals of honor. But after he got his second one and they nominated him for his third one, uh, the government was like, no, you can't have three. So they gave him a distinguished service cross and a Navy cross. I forget the other, what the other one's called, um, which are basically the, the second best. As opposed to funny. a Medal just, of Honor. I'm just picturing the government being like, no, you can't have three. Why is that? So the other troops think they have a chance. <laughs> Yeah, probably. <laughs> I think I think the reason they said he couldn't have one is because it wasn't like fair. But like, anyway. how dare you put yourself in a situation multiple times and survive? How yeah. dare you? How dare you be an um, absolute badass? But no. So his, ironically enough, his actions, part of his actions, um, you know, that line. Uh, Come on, you sons of bitches. Do you want to live forever? Oh, yeah. From Starship Troopers. That line is attributed to him. Really? Yeah, because uh, they were at the fighting at Bella Wood, which is some of the worst fighting that the Americans saw in World War One, and their officer died. He was a sergeant at the time, uh, a master sergeant, and um, he's looking around and he's realizing that the uh, the Germans are like not really re ready to receive an offense from them. And the officer's dead, so he's the guy in charge. So he's like, fuck it. The Germans aren't expecting us. Now's the time to attack. Fuck so it, he we gets ride. up, walks out into no man's land, turns around and says, come on, you sons of bitches. You want to live forever? And just charges the German line. And that offense is what led to the... That initial offense is what led to the capture of Bella Wood by the American uh, forces, which basically turned the tide of, of World War One. Yes. 
well, fucking all right then. That's worthy of Medal of Honor right there. Yep. Yeah. And that was that was the one that they said, no, you can't have it. Uh, Bro, walking in a no man's land should be the, the the main reason why you get it. Dude, every person who went over the top in World War One, as far as I'm concerned, every American who went over the top in World War One deserves a fucking Medal of Honor. That war yeah, was no, atrocious. No man's land was fucking awful. Like, good Lord. Yeah. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, that was interesting. Thank you for story time. Yeah. You can um, you can actually thank the fat electrician. <laughs> that's fair. I'm going to keep it a buck, though, because I am, in fact, stupid. I lost the analogy between that and the Carolyn Overlords. Uh, we were um, talking about the difference between black powder going to aethermatic weapons. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's and like then you that got me sidetracked on Dan Daly. It's that meme of, um, is it a war crime to have um, superior force? That's really what it is. Is it a war crime? Remember, kids, it's not a war crime the first time. Oh, that is like the Caradon shtick, though. Yeah. yeah. It's not a war crime the first time. If we, if we keep making new shit, they can't keep banning it. <laughs> remember, remember, kids, if they're demons, they're not humans, i.e. they are not under the Geneva Convention. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. So, um... Back on the Caradons, uh, the the big thing that they were fighting during the Great Sky War that prompted all of this uh, war criming <laughs> was um, the Tetronomicar. Tetronomicar. Yeah. Tetronomicar. Yeah. Tetronomicar. Yes, it was a grouping of three Zinchin Diem princes who were like, fuck you, bitch, we own the skies. And the Caradons were like, and I took that personally. Yeah, no. So it's it's three Zinchin demon princes, and they were just they were determined as shit all over the overlords they they were um they they had been part of the initial uh fleet that caused the sky exodus and they had been hunting them down ever since um yeah so like that that was they they they, that was the battle i'm pretty sure they fought called the battle of the first coalition um right after right after the um conference of modralta and they kind of like beat their ass aggressively yeah one thing to note about the uh caradron code code is it's actually based off of naval law so it's very much lends itself to like oh hey we all need to work together in a military setting cool the caradron code is basically already built uh to accommodate that so that's part of why the first the battle of the first coalition goes so heavily in favor of the caradrons is that they were like cool we need to do naval operations oh look at that our entire society is built around naval command if everyone flies like everyone knows how to do the thing so we're gonna do the thing yeah exactly. by the way so in this first like the battle of the first coalition they went against the naval code that is pretty much adopted by all countries in the world which is an American naval, it's like some American officer wrote it before a 1900. Um, and it's always stated in, in that book, it is stated, you stay together. Your entire fleet stays together. Do not divide your fleet. And that's kind of one of the big reasons why that Japan actually lost a lot of battles in World War II when it came to the naval, because they constantly kept on dividing their forces. Which is actually first... really funny because in this fight, that's why they won. <laughs> that's how they yeah. won, is they divided their forces. Well, yeah, like, that it doesn't it... make sense. That's well, not no, naval well, battle. <laughs> it's because, so well, at least the reason why they explain it is that the Tetronomicar, they were in this like massive flying fortress with fucking big ass crystals and Zinchian magic that was keeping it afloat. And it was just this really 
just gargantuan hulking yeah, fucking it monstrosity was, of it a was three of, of them, one for ship. each of the demon princes. And there and the um the Zinchian forces outnumbered outnumbered the Cardons. I think it was like two or three to one. And so in this battle is actually what defines um Cardon naval battles naval doctrine like to this day is so basically they, they rolled up in this fight and they're like yeah we can't beat them face to face they have more people they have more firepower we can't win this so what do we do and the dude who was a like like the like the i think it was the first like grand admiral yeah uh, of grand. thank you Horgrim, uh, Horgrim brand was like listen this is what we're gonna do and basically he split the fleets into smaller Put the fleets into smaller fleets, and that basically strike knew, forces. They were because they were more maneuverable than the Zinchi, than the big yep. monstrous Zinchi and flying craft. So basically, they split into a bunch of you know they they, they went from big fish to small flies, and they so and they went around and they were harder to take down because of that. And they targeted the crystals that were keeping the thing afloat, and they blew them up, and then it fell and blew to, yeah. and blew up, and so that's why is, they won. So M- Mitchell as a. Uh to go back to your whole this doesn't make sense because of naval code this is the one situation which does make sense because think about uh the yamato the yamato taffy three best best battleship of all time arguably speaking and then you know what he was absolute or you know what that ship was absolutely terrified of torpedoes pt boats yeah torpedoes because that's how they that's how we took it down right well, it was basically well, not not necessarily torpedoes but specifically pt boats just swarms of PT boats. So like, oh yeah, you have overwhelming firepower and like you outnumber us. Do but you not you know about FP3? But you can't shoot us all at once. Because if I remember correctly, that's how the Yamato what? sank, right? Was basically you got torpedoed to absolute shit by PT boats. Uh, not, mm-hmm. no, that, Mitchell can tell you more about Taffy 3 and how the Yamato actually sank. But there was one of the early engagements in the Pacific Theater that like the Yamato was like, oh yeah, we need to go into these islands to provide fire support. And there was a whole horde of PT boats in the islands, and they sent a like a scouting force in first that got fucking annihilated by PT boats. And they were like, you know what? Never mind. We're not doing that. We're gonna fucking turn around and leave. Mm-hmm. That's funny. <laughs> but no, um, Taffy Three is pretty much the biggest ga- David versus um Goliath story that there is because it's you have the Yamato versus like a couple of destroyers isn't it wasn't it like three destroyers and an escort carrier um i believe so um yeah and like one particular destroyer was like i guarantee you they're going to constantly adjust their shot so i'm just going to go to their water the columns of water that the guns are actually like creating so they if they just kept the same trajectory they would have destroyed the destroyer but they kept on changing to adjust yeah, so basically um, the destroyer would see the splash of the of the shell that missed them and go towards the shell, but then the Yamato was like, oh, time to adjust because we missed them, and so they kept missing. That's amazing. You know what I find fucking hilarious with the Yamato? I know it's, we're kind of tangenting off, but like I'm pretty sure it only sunk like two boats in its entire like life yeah. uh, against fighting the Allied ships. Like it sank like a destroyer and like an escort carrier, I think. And Something that's like that. And that's literally it. See, like that's, the greatest that's battleship the I ever, find... and it did jack shit. <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I always find funny is people are all like, oh, yeah, the Yamato and the Bismarck and the Turpits, like, these are the greatest battleships of all time. And it's like, okay, like, 
technically speaking, yeah, you might have a point there, but also like the Iowa class battleships were in service for 40 years and actually did shit. So like, are you sure you want to make that so claim? Don't ever underestimate the power of having to deal with it. Cause that's yeah. just a ship that you can't leave alone. You got to yeah. constantly plan around it. Listen, if there's one thing I've learned by playing a lot of world of warships is never underestimate underage boats. <laughs> Underage boats are terrifying if you, if you take your eyes off them. That's a euphem that that that's a saying for destroyers. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh Lord. Okay. So. Um, tangent yeah. Done. Yeah. Tangent done. I think. Phil, any more any, any more tangenting? For well, now that we're on to the subject. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. So yeah, the Battle of the First Coalition. Uh. Basically, the Carad the Caradrons split their fleet into a bunch of different smaller uh, basically strike groups and they just swarmed them because the the um, the Zinch, for, the forces of Zinch tried to like fight them off and hunt them down what was happening is they just run and hit them with a quick uh, like one off runaway and the Zinch guys would go out to follow them and then they'd get ambushed again and fucking annihilated them and so they just kept doing that over and over and over and wearing them down and they'd fly and target the crystals and just blow up their battleships basically was definitely one of those things where like there's only three caradons but you, but it feels like there's 13 <laughs> yeah exactly because they're kind of everywhere at once yeah so the grand admiral um brand is slain in the battle uh whenever he's he is turned to solid silver by a lord of change but his victory at that battle basically created the Caradron naval strategy that remains to this day. I mean, like, by and large, when, when it comes to, like, the big battles, I don't really think the Caradons have lost a big battle yet. Like, they don't, they don't, they're not always victorious, but every big, like, pivotal battle, they normally win. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, like, if it's a big pivotal battle and the Caradrons show up, like, do not put your money on the demons. They will not win. Oh, it's fucking hilarious, because every time, like, so I'm not sure about, like, the, about the smaller battles and, and the little ones, but basically every single big battle there is after the Great Sky War, it basically goes as such. Ah, yes, the Caradron Overlords show up. Ah, yes, they drop 40 million nukes. Ah, yes, they win. Yeah, you're not and that's wrong. Every fight is basically it's always like, oh, yeah. And so the Carolyn Overlord shot the demons 97 billion times and uh, it kind of disintegrated. And then what Extra happened? Swiss Nothing. Cheese. They win. Yeah, no, that's Swiss cheese. And that was it. And then they won because everything got fucking disintegrated because, you know. Yeah, it's like, oh, but I'm a demon prince. 50 caradrons with aethermatic rifles. Cool. We don't care. Punk. Yeah, say say, say no. this to my gun. Bink. Um, yeah, no, the Carolyn Overlords definitely embody the, ah, uh, yes, we made enough bullets to shoot the entire population of the planet eight times. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this happens, and then, uh, what follows is called the Season of Strife. So basically, one of the barracks, uh, finds a way to disguise their vessels, like, to disguise the, um, allegiance of their vessels. And so they're like, oh, cool, we're now going to commit piracy. So this happens, and a bunch of Aether Gold is stolen from all of the other barracks because at this point the barracks don't move very much and the the aether gold doesn't move very much so a lot of these barracks have established aether mines like basically hey this is our domain everything within this domain belongs to us uh these are our mines don't don't touch our fucking bananas 
and but a, but of course you know the big barracks had uh you know larger domains better aether veins you know aether gold veins things like that and so one of these smaller barracks was like well fuck you we want to get rich too and so they started to commit uh commit piracy against other skyports and so a bunch of aether gold was lost um the economies of multiple barracks is disrupted and keep in mind aether gold is not just a currency it's also what powers the skyports it's what keeps them afloat and so disrupting I mean, the flow of aether gold is not just like oh yeah by the way i'm stealing your money it's like oh no i'm stealing your money and your gasoline at the same fucking time by the way what? i just really want to bring in the like the true scale of what a skyport is i want you to imagine the metropolitan area of the city of london and but put it, it in the sky. But it flies. Yeah. But no, it flies. Are, yeah, skyports. Like, Truly guardian. Like Mitchell said earlier, uh, the translation for uh, Caradron is sundered mountains. These are literally these mountains floating in the sky. These things are fucking massive. Uh, they're literally floating islands. Yeah, so like if they, they need a lot of fuel to stay up, and if they don't get the fuel, horrible things and millions they of people literally die. fall from the sky. Yeah. Yeah. Something that really so, cracks me up is every time I think about um, the whole like the beginning of piracy during the season of strife is basically that scene from Pirates of the Caribbean and the Black Pearl where he's like, oh yeah, the code, it's more of a guideline. Yeah, <laughs> really. No, and that is exactly is just a that's, guideline. that's exactly how I see that. And that's because, so that's the thing about the Caradrons is they have this intense reputation for being um really tricksy like really deals. hard like yeah kind of tricksy and real hard asses with uh bargains that they make and so there's a saying that goes something to the effect of like uh read every carrot uh carrot carrot caradron will does not accept a contract if they do not read it a thousand times yeah, yeah like, like if, if you if you're going to make a contract with a with a member of the caradron people read that bitch 10,000 times because they will find a way to screw you. The way that I see it is if you're making a deal with the Caradon, treat it as if it's a monkey's paw. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, But yeah, because that's like their whole shtick. And so I know the code was pretty heavily changed after the whole piracy thing happened because they were like, yeah, this shit can't happen. This is bad. Yeah. So basically they find out which one of the Skyports is doing this and over a dozen Skyports were like, fuck those guys showed up and annihilated this other Skyport. And immediately after that, changes to the code were made. Because remember, all of them live by the code, but there was nothing explicitly written in the code that prevented piracy. And they were like, well, that's a big fucking loophole. They had to go in there and be, hey, don't steal other Caradon shit. <laughs> yeah. So one important thing to note about the code is it really does function. I think it was you, Jacob, who said that it was like a uh, the Constitution. That's actually pretty accurate. Yeah. So it started out as nine um, amendments, for lack Article. of a better word. Articles. There are nine there articles. Nine yeah. articles. But... Uh, all of the carracks or barracks can come together and vote to ratify new um, articles. And that's that's part of where the whole like these guys are super pragmatic comes in, because it used to be like in the old ways of the dwarves. It was like, oh, hey, we ratified these nine articles. Cool. Those nine articles are now going to be worshipped from here until the end of time. And no one can change them ever, period. Whereas the uh, the Caradron are very much like we wrote these nine articles next week. Oh, hey, something's happened. Um, Cool. We're making a new article. 
Do you want to know? Or adding an addendum to an article. Something that absolutely fucking cracks me up about the Caradon code is it is in article. Let me see. It's an article. It's an article seven, which is the rights of ownership, which has to deal with like claims upon minerals and salvage and things like that. Sub amendment 327 B. Oh, yeah, these are not short articles, by the way. There's only nine of them, but they fucking have a lot yeah. of rules. So, so sub-amendment 327B of Article 7, the right of ownership. No further sub-amendments regarding Article 7 shall be brought before the council. <laughs> yep. <laughs> he made an amendment saying quit your shit about trying to take other people's shit. Oh, it but, cracked yeah. me the fuck up when I read that. So, yeah, no, and that's the other thing is that you can find basically the entire thing online and, like, it's such a fucking headache to read because it is so much goddamn lawyer talk. Like, I took two seconds to look at it and I was like, I'm not reading that. It's giving me a headache. Yeah, I read the entire thing and I was like, yep, yeah, well, that's all the research I'm doing today because my brain hurt. There's like, um, I, like I needed to take a nap after it. <laughs> so whenever I was growing up, one of my favorite TV shows was Bones. And oh, I Bones forget. is good. Bones is really good. I forget what it, what the context is, but there's a line that's always stuck with me. They're talking about some kind of legalese and trying to navigate legal code in the TV show. And someone's like, oh, yeah, even God would need a double shot of bourbon in an evening alone to be able to figure this shit out. And I'm like, yeah, that sounds about right. Pretty fucking accurate. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um. I think that's the majority of the important shit that happened during the Age of Chaos. So I think now it's Age of Sigmar time. Um, well, uh, one of the barracks disappears. That's the last big thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So sh- shenanigans. Yeah. So basically, I like to this- imagine that entire thing is like, that's a secret for later. <laughs> we'll bring that <laughs> up like- at a later date. <laughs> yeah. So basically, uh, the last big event that happens in the Age of Chaos is Barrack Zoff, which had been the second, uh, the second greatest barrack only behind Barak Nar, which is considered the greatest of the barracks, um, just disappeared off the face. They're just gone. Go Everybody on. was like, what the fuck? But there's supposed to be, there's supposed to always be six skyports. Yeah, that's why um, they brought in Barak Thring or Thrung. Yeah. Uh, so there's always supposed to be six skyports to kind of balance everything out to represent uh, all of the people. And it's the sixth biggest, obviously. And which is actually funny because like there's such a discrepancy because they brought in Barak Thring because Barak Nar disappeared. So Barak Thring no, is not the... Barak Nar. No, 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 Barak Zoff. Barak Zoff. Sorry, yeah. So Barak Zoff disappeared. So they bring in Barak Thring and like, so Thring is the smallest skyport of the six that represent the entire faction of Caradons. The pop, uh, another population, and because like like the, like their delegates are measured by how much gold they have. The amount yeah, of it's really aether, funny. aether gold they have. The amount of Aether gold that Berg Thring has is like 175,000. That's how much Aether gold they have. And they're number six. Number five, which is Barrick Morin or Mornar, I think. Mornar. They have 7 million. They have 27 million. Yeah. That's so they're like tiny horrendously is. poor compared to everyone else. And that's number, by the way, Barrick Mornar, that's number five. And they have, yeah, they still have one delegate. Well, it, it also yeah, they still to- only get one delegate. On it the, also basically the council, so to speak. it also goes to show the discre- uh, the um the the discrepancy of wealth in the in the Carrick over uh, Carlin Overlord society because if Barrick Thring is the second largest with one hundred and seventy three thousand well, sixth largest sixth largest yeah is the sixth largest with one hundred and seventy three thousand shares of Aether Gold, 
there's a lot more than just six skyports. Yeah. Like there is a, a there is a hella discrepancy when it comes to like the distribution of wealth among the Caradons because Barak Nar, that is the biggest, has like what three hundred million, I think. Yeah, over over three hundred million shares. One important thing to note though is that that will change. Yeah, the Necroquicks haven't happened yet, nor has the Age of Sigmar happened yet. So yeah, shit gets exactly different. <clears throat> so now we go into the Age of Sigmar and the Realm Gate Wars. So um the Age of Sigmar happens, and Sigmar unleashes his Tempest. He unleashes his wrath and his golden, you know, not totally not demons. Uh, the Sigmarines are thrown down from the from the heavens in bolts of lightning, and they start fucking destroying chaos wherever they find it. Ironically enough, the Carad the Caradron overlords were one of the first to find out about this. Because the fury of Sigmar's Tempest was so strong that it actually changed um, the Aether Gold Veins. It moved them. Yeah, because they float in the sky, so they can be moved by powerful currents of magic and shit like that. Yeah. So now all of the previously established Aether Gold Veins and mines that had been around to uh, collect it, like all of that changes now. And they're like, oh, shit. And so there's a massive scramble to reestablish uh, new mines and new um, claims on mines that have changed position, which is actually really funny because the Necroquakes are the same thing, but it's so much worse. <laughs> yeah. So this was like a gentle pu push. And so like now prospectors could go out and be like, oh, yeah, there's a new vein over here. Cool. Let's grab it real quick. Da -da -da -da. And like so there was a little bit of a change up and everything. It was like, all right, cool. Like that was that was something spicy that happened. And then, of course, uh, the gates of Azir reopen and these big golden boys start running around and the dwarves are like, oh, that's kind of neat. All right, moving on. Um, the and, and, and we'll we'll get to it in a minute. But like, the oh, best uh, way one that... important thing to note real quick uh, before we move on is that at this point in time, the the overlords are still very isolationist. And so a bunch of them were like, hey, we probably should help the land dwellers um, like cast out chaos. But at the time, their code had not been changed to allow for them to negotiate with other forces. Because keep in mind, at this point, the only people they've had contact with were chaos. Or other overlords which doesn't really so, count because chaos aren't people <laughs> yeah exactly and so at this point they were extremely isolationist um but like again that's because they hadn't seen friendly faces in quite literally thousands of years so before we get before we're talking about like the first treaty that the um caradons ever um sign with land dwellers essentially i just wanted to make a quick joke that's also very accurate because so we'll we'll get to it in a minute but the one word that I can that I can say about what the Necroquakes did to Aethergold Aether Gold mines, unlike um, Sigmar's Tempest, which were like Phil said, it was more of a gentle like, hey, the power's coming, it's moving things around, uncovering new veins of Aethergold. The Necroquake looked at all of the Aethergold deposits and just went, <clears throat> yeet us. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeet. And that's exactly what they did. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we'll, we'll circle back to that when we get to the Necroquakes. So, um, but now we're on to the Treaty of Vindicarum. Yes, when the uh, when the flying dwarves met the hey, golden on, demons. Mitchell hasn't had a chance to speak yet. Hey, Mitchell, you want to go over the Treaty of Vindicarum? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, we're gonna sit here in silence until Mitchell decides to be a team player. Please don't, don't do this to me. I've had a stressful week. <laughs> Suffer. Hold fast, brother. Oh yeah. Well, let me just read for a bit, okay? 
Okay. <laughs> you don't right, have to, you don't on. have to do it if you um, don't want to. <laughs> I, I actually so I actually really like this treaty, so I'm gonna go ahead and cover it. But basically, uh so following the opening of the gates of Azir and this and the stormcast coming out and starting to reclaim land for mortals, um, a city gets built in Tremon called Vindicarum. Uh Vindicarum, it's protected by uh uh Stormcast and there's humans in it. It's and actually Zinch, one of the Zinch first was, uh, cities. Zinch was unhappy about this. Yeah, kind of so chaos in general. Yeah, so it's one of the first major cities built in uh, Tremon by the Stormcast Eternals. And this happens, and Zinch looks at that and goes, uh, you fucking did what on my turf? And immediately sends a massive assault against the Stormcast Eternals. Zinch was like, how dare you so touch my bananas? The Stormcast touch your bananas. Yeah, exactly. So the Stormcast are horribly outnumbered. And they are very quickly overwhelmed. So basically, like, almost the entire population of the city is wiped out. Half of the Stormcast that have been there are sent back to Azir. And, like, it looks like an absolute fucking disaster just waiting to happen. Like, everybody's going to die. And then Barak Nar is like, you know what? They don't like chaos. We don't like chaos. Fuck the code. We're going to go fight with these guys, and we're going to fucking annihilate some demons together. And that is exactly what they do. Because that's Nars what true sent... friendship is about. Well, yeah, actually, so if, I, Nars... if I remember correctly, a, a way the way that Barak Nar um, like rationalized their decision off, uh, with the code at the time was they were like, well, yeah, we can't do things unless there's going to be profit involved. But um, having this treaty with the Golden Boys is going to have future profit for us. Yeah, and that's basically their rationalization, because remember, these guys are incredibly pragmatic. So they take a look at the code, and they're like, the code doesn't technically allow us to do this, but it also doesn't technically allow us to not do it. So we're going to do it, because this could profit us in the long run. And so that is exactly what they do. So Barak Nar, which again, is the largest of the barracks, is like, we're sending our entire fleet to go help them. So they show up. Uh, they show up at... at uh, Vindicarum, and just like it is a literal wave of fire and destruction that descends upon this city because the the stormcast are holding out at the city citadel and they're basically just preparing to die and then out of the sky just comes all of these frigates and other uh aether oh i forget what they're called uh aether, aether aether craft. yeah yeah uh, arcanaut frigates just descend out of the sky in mass and they just start annihilating all the demons they can find all i'm saying is that the zinch demons started hearing fortunate sons and they were very confused oh yeah no that is (laughs) pretty fucking accurate so like these arcanaut frigates come flying out of the out of the sky and they just start blasting everything the kingdom come and they drop down uh troops and they just start going to town and the stormcast are like oh look friends and basically single-handedly these uh arcanauts just turn the entire tide of the battle and proceed to just kick the demon's teeth in like there was a um uh a demon prince there and the demon prince is basically like i'm gonna fucking murder you and the uh, overlords like ha, 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 that's cute we cast cannon listen emphasis on nuke this dude emphasis on there was a demon prince there <laughs> yeah exactly listen like i've already made the joke but like I'm, I'm i'm dead fucking serious the entire like like battle code of the caradons is we're gonna show up and uh we're gonna cast gun there is nothing after this <laughs> yeah oh lord and yeah and then but this and, and, 
And then they sign the treaty, right? That's when they like make the yeah. So this happens, out. and they end up signing the Treaty of Vindicarm. And what this does for the dwarves is, up until this point, they had only been trading with each other. Like uh, Skyports had only been trading with other Skyports, and maybe very minor out uh, mortal outposts. But now they expand their trade to literally every single city under the uh, the Pantheon of Order. Every single city is now a potential tra uh, trade settlement for them. And their economy fucking explodes after this. Yeah, because that's, that's when they set up their like, multi-realm trading network and start dominating basically every mortal realm sky. Yeah, and it's, it's at this point that you really start to see that the Caradons run... Uh, instead of being more of a traditional, like a traditional Carrick, the barracks, the way that they run themselves are now more like businesses. And so whenever you deal with a barrack, it's not like, oh, yeah, it's one king to another. It's like, OK, cool. No, we're a business. We're in it for the profit. What do you have to trade? It's kind of like profit the, us. It's kind of like the mega, the mega corporation DLC on um, uh, uh, Solaris. Yeah, exactly. Pretty, pretty close to that. <clears throat> um. All right. What what was what was the next thing that happened in Age of Sigmar? Uh, it was the was the Sky Purge. Uh, yes. Was it the? Yes. No. Notes. Shit. Yeah. No. It's the Great Sky Purge that comes. Oh, next. okay. No, no. Gotcha. Um, I think that was just them fucking with Zinch, wasn't it? Like they were just like, man, yeah, so we, we haven't fucked with so... Zinch in a while. Let's go fuck with Zinch. Yeah. So uh, initially there was the Great Sky War, which is where basically the um, the Caradons proved that they could beat Zinch and then follows the Great Sky Purge. So the Great Sky Purge is now like, OK, cool. We now know that we can beat Zinch in a war. So now we're going to claim control over all of the skies because at this point they were still uh, fighting Zinch off on a fairly regular basis, but it was never anything super big. But at this time, they're like, no, we now have the the power and the military um might to be able to just claim all of the skies of chamon for our own and so that is exactly what they do oh yeah because they, they go form... they go in with the stormcast and they're like yeah we're gonna fucking keep yep. kick his ass and like make it yeah, unanimous so... like if it flies we own it exactly so uh they using their new treaty of vindicarm they take on um stormcast and between the stormcast and the overlords they proceed to just clean house in the stratosphere of Kamon and annihilate everything not mortal in the skies and it actually ends up leading to the uh a revision of the caradron code a new article uh called the aether strike force which is basically okay cool it is now official the stormcast and the overlords can now work together and we can do this um in an official manner like they they legitimize the the cooperation between yeah the they're like we me, we in the stormcast we are uh, homies and we do shit together and yeah. there really isn't going to be any like oh wait does the code permit this like yes it is a hundred percent ratified into the code that we do shenanigans with stormcast eternals yeah exactly um and i can't i need a um i've been trying to get my hands on a broken realms bellicor because i know a big part of that has to do with the caradons uh, that comes later. You know, no, no, that, that 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 does come later. But I know, like, it has a lot to do with like Caradon and Storm. Oh, do you? Well, oh shit! Borrowing thought, it from Sam. I thought it was really hard to get a hold of. I'm borrowing it from Sam. 
Gotcha. That's who we should get on this podcast one of these days is Sam. Well, that'd be dope as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Sam is a chill guy. Um, I think the next thing that the big thing that happens is like Kairos doing shenanigans with Barrett Zahn. Yeah. So with this one in particular, it kind of really shows this event really shows that. um, Can you not bite my foot? Sorry, Hephaestus was biting my big toe. Um, That's just how he shows he loves you. Yeah. Um, no, God, I got sorry. Um, so this event kind of really shows this entire idea of how the Keratin overlords are more about this societal gains instead of individual gains. Because um, with Barrack Zahn, it was besieged for 99 days um, before kind of a gigantic cold. besieged by? Take a guess. Dun, dun, okay, dun, dun, dun. It's kind of important. <laughs> Birdman. Okay. Who? Like who specifically? I mean, to be fair, I said I said, I, I said I said Kairos. I said Kairos Fateweaver. Oh, sorry, yeah. I missed that. My bad. My bad. Yeah. Um. So it kind of really just a lot of these other sky fleets and other sky ports is like I think it was almost every other single sky port came to kind of like free the siege. Um besiege the siege is is that so they actually they actually appoint another high admiral so at this point there's only been two notable high admirals the other guy during the first coalition and then this guy brock grungson yes literally alive right he's still around isn't he? i believe so yes (laughs) um but uh they he assembles a confederation of sky fleets from every skyport and they just take a look at the blockade and they're you like, the we're not going to run this blockade. We're going to fucking ram it. And that is exactly what they do. I mean, yeah. if it worked, it's not stupid, right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah. it really just kind of shows that the entirety of the race is planning to work together because they know they need each other to, in order to survive. It's actually yeah. really cool because like a, a, a big thing, I think that's very prevalent in AOS is how like the races of order have a really hard time working together not even just with each other but even internally there's always a bunch of strife within their within themselves and the caravan overlords who are very very pragmatic and they're a meritocracy and they're all about and they're all about you know financial gains and things like that but they're also like nah man we are one people and if one of us succeeds we all succeed yeah and that's really cool because you don't see that a lot in aos like you just don't yeah no because even amongst the storm hosts of the Stormcast Eternals, they very much compete against each other. Like, yeah, they'll fight with each other, but they very much prefer to do things on their own. They want the glory. Yeah, exactly. It's and very human. Caradron, whereas That's the like Caradron never, Overlords, never the case for them. Yeah, the Caradron Overlords are very much like, oh no, like if if we fuck each other over, that's one thing. But if someone else starts fucking with us, no, 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 that is unfucking acceptable you will be purged. Like You are an enemy to our entire race. An enemy to one is an enemy to all. We will, in fact, cast gun. Yeah. So, yeah, I just, I've always, I really like seeing that because it's just really cool. Because, like I said, you just you just don't see that a lot in AOS. And it just, it, it it's, like, it's kind of like a breath of fresh air, in my opinion. Yeah, a little bit. I definitely see that. Um. So, yeah, I think the next is uh, the Necroquakes, right? Or the, uh, the, like, fuck shit. Um, one thing I would like to say real quick is that, um, the, the Arcanaut frigates 
that were that made up this uh confederation the skyfleet confederation they had so much firepower that um whenever they fired against the demons the demons weren't just killed they were fucking erased from existence <laughs> i would call that a proper use of force yeah <laughs> exactly remember superior firepower is not a war crime exactly yeah. mainly because like there's no so, one left to say it's a war crime <laughs> <laughs> so now we move on to garrick Tormen, also known as the neck real quick garrick Tormen, that's it yeah i was trying to remember the name yeah so this is like the dwarves have a name for it this is what like part 96 of nagash fucking things up for everyone yeah, i feel exactly. like we can go do the garrick torm and our well, Necroquake and Arcane Optimar. Um, it's very much the same. What's what's always happened with these events? Get swarmed by Night Haunt. Magic is really screwed up. The Necroquake itself fucking did weird bullshit magic things and fucked a bunch of things up. And yeah, it messes the with their currency because the entirety of Aether Gold veins got moved. Well, the really cool thing about the Necroquakes. And and how it affected the um, the Caradons or both the Necroquakes and the Arcanum Optimar is that like so even though like technically they don't go this route there was kind of a hierarchy among the amongst the Caradon overlords because there were all these Aether Gold mines and whatnot that have been set for a long time so like oh yeah this guy port has this mine and they're really big because they have all the rights to this Aether Gold mine and yada yada yada. So a hierarchy was established because of that. But then, you know, Nagash did Nagash bullshit and all the magic came through and it displaced like all of the Aether Gold um, mines and, and whatnot, like drastically. And because the Caradon Code specifically states that like, hey, if someone loses their shit and you find it, like it's kind of yours. Like you have yeah. rights to it because you scavenged it. And so all the all the Aether Gold deposits change locations, and it causes this big mad dash to go find them all again. And it it establishes a new hierarchy basically because all the big veins that existed were lost and then found by different skyports. And yeah. and then on top of the fact that the Arcanum Optimar itself uncovered a bunch of new ones too. Yeah, and so it was really really cool because it kind of it just kind of reset their their hierarchy, which is neat. Um, it also caused a bunch of shenanigans like, you know, night haunt everywhere and people dying and, you know, yeah. super happy fun times. <clears throat> One of the other big things that happens is that two of the minor barracks, Barrack Dermas and Barrack Kling, were actually knocked out of the sky because the uh, the shockwaves from the Necroquake uh, disrupted their Aethermantic um, engines so badly that they just fell from the sky. Oh, shit. Do they like like fell from the sky, but got back up or like they got destroyed? No, they straight up fell out of the sky. Well, that's not good. Yeah. Um, and like uh, Barak Nar, that one that we said was the biggest one, uh, they ended up losing approximately one fifth of their entire Navy. Oh, yeah. Just got knocked out of the sky. Yep. That's not good. Yeah. I, they, they also lost a delegate, didn't they? Because they actually lost like 10 million shares of Aether Gold and it caused them to lose a delegate, which was picked up by Barak uh, Zilfin. Yes. So between so the changes that we see is that Barrett Nar ends up having a three, three to four percent loss. There's actually charts that have the, the actual statistics laid out, but Barrett Nar lost about three to four percent uh, of its gold revenue. 
Barrick's uh, Barrick Urbaz was the worst out of the six delegates. They lost almost forty five percent of their Oof. Uh, gold. Dude, Barrick Thring like came out on fucking top though. They to be fair, it almost doesn't increased. matter because they're so small. But like they yeah. have like, like a two hundred and fifty percent gain, and they still have one. Oh delegate. no, no, they had a three hundred and seventy percent gain. Jesus Christ. But that didn't get them a delegate because that was only 650,000 Aether Gold. Whereas, like, <laughs> Beric Mornar gained 65 million Aether Gold. It's like, oh my god, we have this almost 400% increase. What did we gain? Uh, nothing, technically. <laughs> hey, something, nothing is sometimes better than something. A better, better profit than loss, right? Um, yep. Another really cool thing that happened because of the uh, Necroquakes, or at least, like, the the undead being everywhere because of the necroquakes is it spawned a new like military asset for the caradons called the black marines who specifically exist to deal with um ethereal beings like ghosts yeah. and, and some demons and undead and shit is they wear like obsidian armor and they have like they have like like shotguns basically with like anti-ethereal equipment and they, they just exist to be like oh man you don't have a physical body i don't care i cast gun yeah their entire purpose is just to fuck over demons and undead. I think they're so, pretty cool. Yeah, no, they are. They are very cool. Um, are they technically a part of the uh, Grunstock? Yes, uh, they are. They are elite formations of Grunstock uh, of Grunstock Thunderers. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so one important thing to note is that there's a distinct difference between the the Overlord Navy and the Overlord Infantry. So the Caradron Navy is like its own thing. But the Caradron Infantry are actually owned by what are known as uh, Grunstock companies. They're basically uh, they're they're basically PMCs, right? Uh, 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 not PMCs, uh, a private. You know, yeah, they're they're private military, yeah. aren't they? T technically, technically, yes, they are private military contractors. Um, realistically, though, the way that they work is it's uh, once they sign a contract to work for an organization, whether it be another merchant company or it be a skyport, like. <laughs> Once you sign that contract, they are locked in on that contract, and they will not betray that contract. So yeah, like with it, most the contract Caradron says they're there for life, they're there for life. Yeah, so if uh, most Caradron, like whenever they sign a contract, it's like, oh, we might loophole out of it. No, these guys, they straight up like oath swear themselves, which is similar. It's like kind of the opposite of a grudge, because grudges still exist. They, they take it from a much more... Um, like a uh, mercantile perspective of like, oh like we have a grudge against you so like we're just not going to do any kind of business with you so like the opposite of that would be these like uh oath vows or oath uh i forget exactly what they're called they're oath something um oath anyway I'm, there's a very I'm specific term for the yeah. kinds of contracts that they make and it's like oath vows or something like that and it's basically like oh no we will do everything in our honor um within our honor to follow not just the letter but the spirit of the contract and th their whole motto is protect with honor so like if these guys take a contract like they're not going to try and stab you in the back of the they're going to do everything in their power to live up to the spirit oath signed there it is oath, oath signed? signed okay um but yeah like they're very much like oh no like we are locked in well it makes sense because like they're basically the only form of carrot on infantry so if they were shady and then they like lost their honor like they would lose 
all of their business because they'd be like, yeah, be like, fuck it. If you're going to be like that, we're just going to find our own version of infantry because you can't be trusted. Yeah. Uh, and there's usually one of these academies. So there are academies that train the Grund Corps, and there's usually one of these present in every Skyport. But these, so these are the guys who make up the sharpshooters and the pilots um, of the Sky Fleets. I'm, but I'm they not, can I'm also just be contracted as individual, like, um, or not individual. They can be contracted out to various other organizations. But basically, this is what replaces, like, the old Thunderer squads from Dwarves, is that now they're part of, like, an organized unit. Another Instead thing of that being, I really like one character fields its really own thunderers. Enjoy about overlords, and this is more of their aesthetic for me, is like if you were to look at a Grunstock Thunderer, like they a hundred percent could be in 40k. Oh yeah. They a hundred percent have that look of like high fantasy but high sci-fi and their guns all glowing with runes and shit, and they have like mechanical things in their in their like helmets for their eyes they can have like better targeting and shit, and they have like robotic limbs if they've lost a limb. Like they they look really cool and I think they have a really unique look. Like a Stormcast Eternal looks badass as fuck, but you can tell that they belong in a fantasy setting. It's a very high fantasy setting, but they look they like they could be that they are fantasy. Like overlord shit like you're like is that 40k i'm not sure like if you didn't know who they were you you could look at them yeah. and just be like yeah they they might be 40k honestly if you told if someone came up to me and told me hey the caradon overlords yeah that was just the um oh shit the new squat race in leagues of Votan. yeah if you just came to me and said like oh yeah these are the leagues of Votan during um uh the long night like I'd be like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, they, like they have whenever, a really whenever all of the races of men were cut off, or all the races of uh, the Imperium of Man were cut off from each other. Like, yeah, I'd one hundred percent believe that. Yeah, they have they have a very unique look, and I'm a hundred percent here for it. Yeah. Um. The um. Yeah, they cared overlords. They actually they, they were the one race that almost drew me from lizards. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah I love my Seraphon, but I look, but I look at Caradon and I'm like, mm, man, that's pretty tasty. Steampunk dwarf, sky dwarves. It's it's an aesthetic. It really is. It really, it really is. Yeah. All right. Um. So next really, up. Oh, hey, sorry. What, when it comes to this Aether War thing, I kind of want to do it as a sub episode because there's a lot more to it than just what is shown. Well, We're that's right burning here. skies, isn't Actually... it? That, that's Belakar burning skies. We're no. not actually so, there yet. We're only we're we're only on the Arcanum Optimar so far. Oh, I thought we were further than that. Or, or, we're just or, now getting to the Arcanum Optimar. Oh God! So yeah. we'll circle back to that here in a second. Uh, oh, but my. now we're on uh, Gorak Drek or the Ar Arcanum Optimar. So this is the aftermath of the Necroquake. This is once everything starts to settle. Yeah, and... this is like the largest Aether Gold Rush that, that that has ever existed since the time of Reaving, essentially. Yeah. So, uh, like we were saying, the Necroquake happens. It disrupts all known sources of Aether Gold. Everything is thrown into chaos. And then they start discovering, the, uh, rediscovering old veins and discovering new veins. And there is such a massive rush for prospectors uh, who, at this point, so no private entity can actually own an Aether, uh, an Aether Stream, is what they're called. Uh, technically, they can only claim them for the benefit of their Skyport. But there is such a massive uh, 
outrush of prospectors that are looking for new mines that um yeah like there hasn't been this much prospecting going on since basically before the Caradron overlords were Caradron overlords huh all right it was yeah no God, I swear, the fucking everything about the Necroquakes is so wild. It really is. It, like it completely everything. disrupts everything. Every time hey. we talk about the fucking Necroquake, hey. it's like, hey, do you want to see how shit got super whack? Hey, yeah, dude, the Necroquake is the almost Necroquake as would disruptive have been a as the end times. <laughs> I like how you and I had almost the exact same idea. But yeah. like, I actually missed it because you're both talking. What, what, what did you say? I think that the Necroquake would have been a better idea for end times. And it would be fucking hilarious if the end times happened and then like the races of or the races of man and elves and whatnot in fantasy actually win against the end times. Like um, Manfred doesn't kill Balthazar Gelt and they seal the portal and, and everything like comes turns out all peachy keen. And then Nagash is like, well, now that that's happened, I'm gonna do some head ass shit because everyone's weak. And then Nagash blows everything up. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, that would have been really interesting. Oh, that'd be fucking then you could, hilarious. Then we could have gotten a bunch of different changes that came to the setting because of the Necroquake, because the Necroquake is almost as disruptive, <laughs> disruptive and destructive as the end times. Well, it's it's more long lasting, that's for sure, because the Arcanum Optimar, that's just a thing that well, exists I don't know. Now. Blowing up the blowing up the known universe is pretty well, long no, lasting. Okay, besides the end, that fucking <laughs> nuke the planet. What I mean is like the. If you take if you if you take away the whole like rats crashing the moon into the planet and chaos blowing up everything else that existed because those are pretty you know permanent things taking those out like the Arcanum Optimar that like permanently redrew like the realities that magic follows and I that's permanent yeah. basically well that's where the entire idea of endless spells come from yeah in, like like that's never two, in one point there were no endless spells endless yep. spells came with 2.0 which is arcane optimar yeah like yeah. Like, like could you or imagine the a, a, a yeah. magical right that was so potent that it basically redefined the laws of reality essentially for all the realms for all the realms which are separated by space and time basically yeah yeah like that so that is oh, crazy when you think i about just it. realized we never actually explained what the Geldrad is so the Geldrad is the ruling council that is represented by the six skyports like that that's we never actually i just realized we never actually explained that there, so whenever the we talk about the six representative skyports we're talking we're really talking about the geldrad because that's that's basically their version of the house of representatives yeah the geldrad yeah. is like the top authority on things that happen with the care of the overlords yeah they're the ones who ratify new articles to the code um, but basically, so the, the Necroquate happens, then we get the Arcanum Optimar, and like this is an absolutely catastrophic event, and this just goes to show you how different the Overlords are from the dwar uh, Dwarves of old, because they take one look at this, look around, and go, we need to make some fucking changes right now. So the Geldrad immediately convenes, and immediately they're just like, they just start going out to all existing, um, like, Gruncores and... Um, sky fleets and things like that and they just start writing contracts as fast as possible to try and benefit the entirety of the overlords and well, there's like we're gonna fucking do everything in our power to make sure we survive this because to them this is basically another exodus this is another sky exodus 
And so they're like, no, we've been through this shit once. We will not allow it to fuck us up again. And they just start ramrodding out as many beneficial trade routes and things like that as they can to try and keep make sure that everyone survives. And that well, is exactly think, what happens. I think a big thing from that comes from their pragmatism too, because all the like like, like the the necroquakes and the arcana mob are happening the and it fucks everything up. And instead of being like, oh god, damage control, what are we gonna do? Ah, you know, screeching and yeah, God, fear, they sit down and the the Caradons are like, How can we turn this into profit and opportunity? Yeah, exactly. And that is exactly what they did. Because yeah, like a bunch of bad shit happened. I'm not saying like I'm not necessarily saying the good overweighed the bad, but the fact that they had that they had a pretty large amount of good that came out of that of the Necroquakes and the Arcanum Optimar speaks volumes for their pragmatism and tenacity, in my opinion. Yeah, no, it really does. Cause like, you know, classic doors, they they would have taken one look at that and go, fuck this shit. We're shutting the doors to our characters. We're hiding in our mountains. Whereas the overlords, they took one look at this and they were like, This sucks. This is an opportunity. We're going to use this to our advantage. And so not only they did they did survive. Yeah, not only did they survive the Necroquake, they fucking thrived on it. So like during the Arcanum, Arcanum Optimar, you see this again. It's another economic explosion for the dwarves. And they just start franking out um, like everything they can. And they just adapt to the new situation. And their economies just sees this another massive boon. It's Not crazy. to mention it's 17, 17 new amendments to the code. You know, damn. When you think about it, and this is fucking hilarious, I think, excluding chaos, because chaos doesn't count, Caradon overlords, I think, are the only faction that actually have a positive KD. If we're talking, if, if the KD here is like more of a win to loss ratio, yeah, versus all of the fucked up shit that's happened since the age of myth. Carolyn Overlord are the only ones that when things happen, they tend to come out positive than negative. Like it's their I ability love, to adapt. Yeah. No, hundred percent. Like I love Sigmar. I love Sigmarines. Like they're fucking amazing, but like they lose more than they win. I'm pretty yeah, sure. All, not necessarily, but all too often their pride is their downfall. Well, not only that, well, um, a lot of times when you're talking about what Stormcasts do, it's, not large events it's really rare that you're having these stories of like big stormcast armies a lot of times it's like a group of 10 guys that are reinforcing a like city that are doing something they're like it's not their full strength like you really don't get their full strength unless it was like a realm gate war okay well allow me allow me to rephrase my statement then the caravan overlords i think might be the only faction that can win and it not be theric. Yeah. Cause almost, yeah. cause, cause I mean, I'll, I'll, I call this 40 K syndrome is a lot of time. It's like, Oh man, we won, but everything is so hellaciously fucked that it almost doesn't matter. Take the siege of Excelsis, for instance, we're like, yeah, they won, but half the city's inhabitants died. And how many fucking storm casts fell? Yeah. You know, how many like big important characters did we lose? And then not even talking about how you know, all the dead raised again and all that bullshit. But like every big battle, even when they win, they kind of don't. But the 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 Caradons are be, be, because of how they are, because of their pragmatism and their mercantile nature and their ability to adapt. Is every time something happens, not only do they win, but they, it's a good win. It's not like oh man, we lost like sixteen skyports in the process. It's like no, yeah, we did a thing and like 
yeah, we lost a couple ships, and you know, Skyport's kind of damaged, but um, that's about it. Everything yeah. kind of came out good yeah. for us, and it's just like, what the fuck? Yeah, kind of the worst thing you hear in terms of large battles is the blockade. Like the blockade is probably the biggest event that happens to the overlords in terms of like they're caught on the back foot. Yeah, and even then, it really um, wasn't that bad compared to some other uh, other you know battles where like the, the 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 forces of order are caught you know ambushed and caught by surprise. Yeah. Uh, just to give you another idea, so the actual translation for the Gorak Drek is the Great Venture. To show you just how like pragmatic these people are, literally. The Arcanum Optimar, which is widely considered to be a time of extreme turmoil and like discovery and like some people win, but a lot of people lose. An entire race looks at that and goes, this is the great venture. Let's this go make a, money. This is the new time for us. Let's yeah. go get paid. Exactly. So and part of what makes this so beneficial is that uh, because of the rewriting of the code and new additions to the code, um, the instead of like individual prospectors, the larger um, Aether Gold veins that are known, uh, the the Navy moves in and just claims them. And they're like, nope, this is ours. And so, like, instead of prospectors who would, like, spend time dithering around and, like, trying to seize and, like, you know, bringing in forces to secure things. No, like, the Navy shows up and they're like, no, we're taking this. This is ours. Yeah. It's just, you know... Like I'd said it before, but it's just a breath. It's just a breath of fresh air. It's nice to see that not every faction has to be written the same when it comes to like how they win or lose. Like it's it's a pretty it's a, it's a definite break from the norm. And I, I think it was much needed. Like I really enjoy it. Yeah. And then also because of this new massive influx of um, Aether Gold, because, again, remember, this happens all across the mortal realms. So whenever I say the Navy claims a bunch of shit, really, that's in Chamot. But everywhere else, everyone is now searching for new Aether Gold veins. It is a massive time of discovery and economic boon for the uh, the Caradron. Another, another so thing, you see this massive arm race that takes off. And oh no, yeah, this... no, yeah, you're talking about what I was going to say. Go, yeah. our boys, so Baird Thrang. Yeah, and so then you see like new new torpedoes, um, anti magic repulsors. Uh, etheric lenses that basically give people x-ray vision like it is insane the kind of anti-magic and inventions that goes on with here so basically they get to the point where they're like oh yeah endless spells cool we just have things that just tell those things to fuck off well they kind of you know you can't really like blame them like fuck all this all this weird bullshit magic going on oh, like yeah, yeah no, they, they kind of needed it like you know it was necessary. And, and that's another thing to talk about is like <clears throat> when the Arcanum Optimar happened, you know, you had like, let's talk about human mages. You know, like, oh, let's try to like bind these, this new magic and create these new spells. And oh no, I've made a fire tornado that's going to last for 300 years and kill a bunch of people. And they did a bunch of dumb shit. And then the fucking characters are like, what if we just didn't fuck with that and just made it say no? Like instead yeah. of trying to fuck with it, they're just like, why don't we just make it no? And just you don't get to do things. Like fuck you, magic. You can't do dumb shit. Yeah, exactly. And th this is actually the point in time where the Black Marines are founded. Yeah, because uh, it was the, it's, it's the race fleet con conflict. Yeah. And, and that's not because magic shenanigans. That's just because, like, the other thing with the Necroquakes is, like, hey, there's dead everywhere. So a bunch of yeah. Nighthaunt were like, let's go fuck with the Caradons. The Caradons were like, Black Marines, fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you don't have bodies? Not a problem. Anti-ghost shotgun shells. Yeah, so, like, there's a vampire that shows up and he's like, I'm going to swing my big dick around with all these undead. And the dwarves are like, Black Marines? Black Marines fucking perish. 
It's like, oh no, we have all we have all these ghosty boys. You can't stop. Why did that ghost just get killed by Buckshot? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, you see, fuck you. That's why. Yeah. The the way I see it is like it's it's like like the meme where the vampire is like, I'm gonna go do all the shenanigans. The carrot, I'm sitting there loading a shotgun. Shame. Yeah, exactly. Loading a shotgun. That's shame. No, no. Whatever are we gonna do? Loads M32 rotary grenade launcher with malicious intent. Yeah, exactly. It's like, may I introduce you to the Doom Slayer? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, I love it. I don't know. All I love right, it. so we're now at what? So two um, hours? In? Yeah, no, well, the next is the Aether War, and that leads into like stuff that happens with Bellicor and Burning Skies and whatnot. So, what we're going to do is we're going to stop yeah, here. Yeah, that's a whole nother like hour right there. Yeah, so, so yeah, gonna, let's go ahead and stop, stop for now. We're gonna, and that's gonna be in part two because part two will do Aether Wars and Bellicor Burning Skies. We're not gonna go super into Bellicor Burning Skies just because, like, that's that could be its own episode, but we're definitely gonna talk about how it pertains to the Caradons. And then we're gonna talk about like culture and society and like their view on religion with like them Loki kind of hating Grungi and like how they do yeah. oaths and things like that. Because you're talking about how the grudges work and they're actually called the Mark of, um, the grudges are called the uh, God, not Mark of Right. It's uh, oh yeah. Well, they have they have grudges and they have marks, and like it gets a little complicated. But we'll go into that um, as well, and like their ancestors and things like that, and yeah. into more That'll detail on exactly there. how like the sky vessels go. We and, still have um, so how, much like, to cover. Yeah, and like yeah. how the guilds work, how unions work, companies. Um, yeah, just like there is so much to go over uh just it's rune of it's mark insane. that's the call rune of mark those are the rune of mark that that that's the grudge clause fuck i was trying to find the name yeah but yeah there is still so much to go over and frankly honestly i'm looking at this now and how long it took for us to get through everything else we might have to do three episodes for this because like there is so fucking much because yeah, well, one, the, one the, important thing to know is like yeah these are dwarves but whenever Games Workshop came out, the Caradron Overlords, they basically completely rewrote the book on wars. And that's not even talking about trying to get into, like, the different types of ships and things they use, which we were going to want to go over because they're very unique. Like, yeah, there's still a lot to go over and we yeah. don't want to have a four-hour episode. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so, like, you know, whenever they came out with happening. the um, – whenever they came out with the Edeneth Deepkin – like that was a little bit of a longer episode because like the Eden Ether are a new race and so all of the lore is new and they really had to kind of flush it out and things like that. What makes the Caradron so hard to cover is not only is it basically a new race, so they have to tell you all of their lore and like really make you understand that this is a unique race. You also have to retcon all of the old shit as to why they don't why they aren't regular dwarves. And so like yeah, it's, it's a lot. It's it's a, a lot. lot. Not to mention a bunch of their battles are very much just like, oh, yeah, so uh, we kicked Zincha's teeth in and like he can kind of go suck a fat nard while he's at it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, did we mention fuck Zinch? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Dude, the Caradron are like, they're some of the best people to have when fighting against Zinch because they're just so used to fighting Zinch. They're like, oh, is that a great is that a uh greater lord of change interesting can i introduce you to black marines <laughs> listen listen all that i can say is that the Caradon overlords are the only ones who can say like you know how when like the zinch thing the joke is like ah yes all according to plan yeah like so when, when a greater demon does shen- when, when, a, when a lord of change does shenanigans and then like you know dies in the process and he's like oh yes all according to plan the Caradon overlords are the only ones that can go is it though <laughs> yeah really all i'm saying that's all that i'm saying but, um, yeah, no, it's 
it's fucking insane. But yeah. Um, okay. So one one thing I one thing I have to note from earlier in the episode is um, Jake when I got a, into a little bit of a disagreement about uh, why the load Griffin showed up, and I have to I have to be honest I was wrong he was right. Uh, so Zinch planned for the load Griffin to show up, but what drew it in was in fact the basically the mines and the greed and everything that was being done by the dwarves themselves. To be so honest, I, I would say we're hurt. I would say we're both kind of right because like yeah, that's probably what caused the load Griffin to come down. But Zinch can fucking see the future and manipulate fate and whatnot. So I'm just gonna say that's kind of we're probably both right. We're like yeah, maybe Zinch didn't make the load Griffin come down, but he probably did some shit to like the car- to like the dwarves and shit to make them do certain things that would cause the load Griffin to come down so i'm just gonna say we're we're kind of both right on that honestly yeah um well yeah i think i think that's it so um we'll see y'all in we'll we'll see y'all in two weeks for part two but next saturday we are doing a a bonus episode and honestly we don't have it's kind of up in the air what the bonus episode is going to be about so if y'all want to drop some suggestions in the ideas and request chat you know Maybe we'll do a conspiracy theory part two episode. Maybe we'll just like scream autistically at the mic. Who knows? So if you have some ideas, feel free to shoot, shoot them to us. Yep. All right. Well, okay. Right. Well, peace Thank out. Thank you very much. We'll see y'all us. later. See y'all later.